Welcome back once again to 30 Days of Star Wars. I'm Andrew Auger, once again joined by Nate Lungarini and Jake Hensler, and we have reached the end of the original trilogy. Star Wars Episode VI, Return of the Jedi, was released in 1983. It followed the huge cliffhanger conclusion of Empire Strikes Back and resolves a lot of that stuff immediately, especially the Han Solo stuff. Is about a 35 to 40 minute segment at the beginning where we have to rescue Han Solo from Tatooine. And then we get into the excursions and the rest of the film as the Empire prepares their final assault on the Rebellion. And the Rebellions will make their final stand. So guys, obviously this was hugely anticipated when it came out after Empire Strikes Back and after A New Hope. It would be the last Star Wars movie for about 16 years, I believe. 83 to 99, is that 16? One of you that's better at math, tell me. I, I don't want to risk that on air. <laughs> silence. Silence from the, silence from the calm boys. Uh, yeah. Typical. Pretty much. Typical, typical. Anyway, it, it would be the last Star Wars film for a while. Um, and a lot of people might have thought at the time it was the last we ever got to see of these characters. Of course, that has changed in context. But as a trilogy capper, what do we think of Return of the Jedi, Nate? Uh, this one definitely leans too hard in the cheese, for my opinion, um, and a lot into its own nostalgia, which are two things I'm not a huge fan of sequels doing in any series. And yeah, it's not so much that it lands on its face, but it stumbles a little bit getting to the finish line here, my opinion. Um, there's some good things, but there are some things that it's just like, did you have to include that, George? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us ask that question a lot. <laughs> Overall, I still enjoy it as a film, but this one doesn't come close to me um, compared to the first or the second. Yeah, definitely the weaker of the three. I still enjoy it, um, but definitely the weaker of the three. And like Nate said, there are elements that just kind of make you scratch your face a little bit, scratch your head a little bit. Um, some some cheesiness, like he said, some ideas that, I don't know, don't quite fit in. It's it's just also watching it right after Empire is a little like, oh, OK, we've we've seen better and we saw it recently. But OK, it's still pretty good. Yeah, I still think it's a good movie, but we're all on the same page here. Uh, I, the word I would use is inconsistent uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, because A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back are so consistent and so good throughout. Um, Jedi's just got some things that I think are a product of Star Wars getting so popular. Um, I kind of go into this in my companion article that you'll be – if you're listening to this podcast, you might be able to read it right above you. Um, I go into the whole idea of Return of the Jedi being a product of Star Wars popularity where it's very much – some of the ideas, specifically the Ewoks, of course, are very much more corporate-driven and more bottom-line-driven than storytelling-driven in my opinion. That's like, still maintained <laughs> its uh, presence through later movies, cough, cough, porgs, cough. Right. Well, <laughs> not even just, yeah, I, everything in the prequels, too. Like, mm -hmm. that the prequels especially, it's like, what character can we put in a toy box, basically? Um, it just, I mean, all of these movies have that in them. Like, even Empire and the original Star Wars, you know, they have so many intricately designed characters and stuff that are action figure fodder, but this is the first time where it feels like it was deliberate. Like, there, it's not an accident that the Ewoks look like teddy bears. Like, Right. Mm. What do kids love? Teddy bears. There and, you go. And say things like, eat your mama. Make, yeah. You know, get people to <laughs> chuckle. Yeah. I will. Well, let's get more into the Ewoks in a bit. I kind of want to go chronologically for this one. 
and something funny I saw on the internet that was a little snarky is that the first 35 minutes of Return of the Jedi feel longer than The Irishman, which is three and a half hours long. And I don't know if I necessarily <laughs> agree with that, but we spent a long time on Tatooine and it's kind of hilarious that everybody has a plan to break Han out from Jabba the Hutt's palace, but none of them talk to each other. So every plan fails and they just went off of improvisation, basically. Mm hmm. And I, I like to point out to all the Boba Fett fanboys that he goes down like a little punk. Yeah. Ugh. that scream he makes. Oh, boy. Yeah. And he like does it to himself. Doesn't his like rocket malfunction? He flies into the yeah, ship his and jet, falls his over. His jetpack's just dumb. Yeah. Um, like, come on. <laughs> he goes yeah. out with a burp. The Sarlacc burps when he eats him. Yeah, he burps yeah. him up. And and that's part of it. It is uh, this is obviously getting to the bigger themes of the movie, but there are moments where the whole tone is very serious, very dark, kind of like Empire was. Uh, I picture like Luke talking to all of Jabba the Hutt's Jabba the Hutt's uh, bodyguards and um, getting to that moment where he's like this crazy dark wizard type person, and you're like, whoa, this is a dramatic take on the character. This is serious stuff and all the stuff with the emperor later in the movie obviously mirrors that but then you have stuff like slapstick comedy during the the jabba um during the han solo rescue scene uh with baba fett there you have the ewoks just being ewoks and a lot of it's so cheesy and corny and it's weird seeing that mix of tones throughout the entire piece yeah, not just one, but two musical numbers inside of Jabba's palace. Yeah, that's that, right. That oh my startled God. me. I was like, was this – I actually had a thought where I was like, is this in the original or did Lucas add this in like – he, he added the second one because it's clearly CGI for yeah. one of the characters. OK, yeah. I was like, was was this in the original? Because this is, this is weird. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Still some cool character design. There's a character's name in Max Rebo – the big blue elephant who I love big Max Rebo stand over here. Um, but there's a, there's a character in his band whose name is droopy McCool. And I think I sent this to you guys earlier this week and <laughs> that just felt like they ran out of ideas. Uh, and we're just like, or, or they were trying to see how far they could push it where people are not like, and they push it pretty far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say so for, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but that extended sequence goes on for a long time, and then we finally get into the crux of the plot after that, which is, of course, the final assault on Endor because they need to disable the shield so that they can get to the second Death Star, which – Dun, dun, dun. Like why, why would you do that again? The exact same thing? Like yeah. the exact mm. same thing. No changes. Yeah. The one thing – I really do like the twist – that the rebels are fed false information. Yeah, me too. That the Death Star is not fully operational. And then when the Empire says that this battle station is ready to go, like that's one of those oh crap moments that yeah. is uh -oh. really, really good. <laughs> I really like that. Um, but I felt like the the counterbalance of setting up that moment versus having to do the same plot and make a new Death Star again, and it's just a rehash of the original, is completely outweighed there. Like, it's a cool moment, and it's a cool gotcha moment, but it it doesn't serve a purpose better than an original 
showdown would have been if they hadn't just redone Star Wars 1 in this one. Right. It makes the Empire look smart and stupid in the same breath. Mm. Really. <laughs> because it's smart that they are tricking them into what my good friend Admiral Akbar calls a trap. Um, <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. Um, but then the whole conceit of doing the Death Star again and not like like you didn't even put like some duct tape over it this time. Like the same spot. It was like <laughs> easier to get to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they like they didn't make it any better. Yeah. And why don't you have like laser cannons next to the reactor this time around to shoot any ships that want to get close to it this time? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. That would be my prime primary focus. Mm. Like maybe protect that area. Or at least not make it Millennium Falcon sized. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You made it easily. You made it relatively easily accessible and like not heavily guarded, which like a lower like we couldn't even get a lower clearance like <laughs> yeah like a bridge that like trucks can't fit under basically like, right yeah uh, exactly <laughs> um so what i find interesting every time i watch this is that for a final act in a trilogy this movie has the least amount of urgency of the three films in the original trilogy and i think it's got to do with the big detour of c3po i am a god kanye west style with the ewoks <laughs> like Ewoks in general. Ugh, yeah, the, the whole thing is it's incredibly campy. It goes on way too long, uh, my opinion. Like, I'm just so sick of them by the time we're wrapping up and doing the dance number at the end. Because uh, we're just spending so much time trying to, like, get them battle ready. And Which they are they, very, very ready. Unexplicably so. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Um, like, them... It feels like... So many of them have to have their own little moments where, oh, they got the stormtrooper here. Oh, they stole the 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 scooter over here and they got to have like the screaming scene for 10 seconds. And it's just like it's so many of those little moments where it feels like it beat the Minions movie to the punch. <laughs> yeah, um, I, it, well, I, th I did like that. They helped Chewie get inside the ATST. Like, that's pretty funny. Yeah, like I feel like little elements like that, like certain elements, like the. The Ewok stealing the bike, I liked, but I also thought it was dumb that three out of four of them chased him. Like, come on, it, it's a bear. You can send one guy. It's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to do anything. <laughs> He's not going to do anything else. Mm. I wonder what the average GPA of an Empire soldier is. It's definitely like a 2.6. At best. <laughs> That's like with a lot of extra help and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tutoring programs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he somehow was able to take, like, like intro to comm twice, get to two A's. Yeah. They often take Empire Rosetta Stone. <laughs> um, but so I like little elements of of the Ewok stuff. But yes, it goes on too long. And there's really no explanation as to how they're able to defeat the Empire. Pff, really without that much force, like without that much pushback. The, the Ewoks are met with a lot of nostalgia from people who grew up watching that movie. Like I had to defend this point of view from a person who grew up and watched the movies like in the late 90s early 2000s as opposed to who watched them in 1983 and probably thought Ewoks were the coolest thing ever but those Ewok sequences mix the two most annoying parts of the movie because C-3PO sucks and I'm officially <laughs> on that I'm, I'm on board with that like and like that was his role in the in the previous movies like in Empire they definitely play into that a whole lot where they're just constantly telling him to shut up and that's his character and it's kind of fun to just have that negative they literally Nancy, switch him off at some point um, right in the yeah. But yeah, yeah, they do in Empire. Uh, 
but they lean way too much into it here. It, he's supposed to be kind of like a fun little, uh, it, it kind of reminds you of your mom teaching you how to drive. Right, he's a, you know? he's and a wuss just, and he's a worry. He's a, he's a worry, he's a worry guy. And um, it's kind of fun saying, don't worry, we got an awesome movie ahead of us. Let's just play the movie and just go with it, go with the flow. And there's just way too much of his negative Nancy attitude in this one. <laughs> yeah. And I think spending all that time on the Ewok and C-3PO stuff distracts from further development that could be done to the really interesting stuff, which of course is the push-pull between Luke and Vader and the Emperor and even Leia to an extent. Um, these are extra – we could be doing extra scenes because the reveal that Leia is his sister doesn't get a lot of time to marinate with these characters. Like he kind of just tells her – and then, like, she thinks about it for, like, 30 seconds, and then they have to get back to the Ewok planet, right. basically. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no time to digest what he just told her, that, hey, maybe I should think about for a second that he just told me that not only are we siblings, and we made out, but, ugh, ugh, big yikes. Um, <laughs> Details. <laughs> but also that Darth Vader is my father, too. Maybe we need to have a conversation about that, too. And I, I potentially could use the Force. That was a lot to happen in 60 seconds. Right. Let's yeah. take a breath. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then I think this is the biggest missed opportunity with this trilogy. Um, and you guys can push back on me if you disagree. But I never really bought Luke as being at risk of falling to the dark side. Like they do a lot of foreshadowing throughout this movie where like he's in black uniforms throughout the whole bit. We aren't exactly sure. Uh which way he's leaning his lightsaber's green instead of blue now uh there's there's lots of hints of like maybe there's something sinister here maybe he could really be turned but i felt like when i watch this as a kid when i watch this now i just never really get the a non-heroic aspect of his character in my head i feel like he's always just playing the hero and he's just acting a little off, not necessarily dark ever. Yeah, they don't ever really sell it. The only point where they even get close, and this has to go with the choreography of the action, uh, I do like the the difference between the Vader-Luke fight in Empire and the Vader-Luke fight here because Luke has evolved so much as a swordsman, and it's a, it's a this one is driven by rage. Like, he is just hammering away at him with it. That's the only point in the movie, Nate, you're absolutely right, it's the only point in the movie where he even toys with darkness. Well, there is um, the Emperor. I actually really like this also. The Emperor reveals to him that I have the upper hand. I tricked all you guys and I'm going to kill all your friends and you're going to sit here and watch while I do it. He goes to strike the Emperor down as he was on arm. What a great shot that is where. Mm. Yeah. But so that's that had he been successful, that is absolutely a dark to the a path to the dark side. And then him taking down Vader in, in anger. So I think there's at least two. But I think both work because he has it's at the climax of the movie, though. I felt like we needed to have some sort of build up if that was ever going to if you're going to put that as a risk, make those stakes apparent earlier. And we never really got it in this. Movie. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm definitely on board with that. And like this is one thing that I like. I mean, the prequels did this to an extreme, but there were more events peppered throughout where. You know, you could tell Anakin was toying with the dark side, and of course he eventually gives into it. Now, we don't have to do anything as drastic of killing the entire Tusken Raider 
group or something like or killing mm-hmm. younglings. We don't need that from Luke. Just like an outburst, like of some sort, like stuff like that. Or more like more rashness, like what we got in Empire, where he left his training early. Like that. It's a less extreme, but it would have been a. Uh, it would have been agreeable to the character we're familiar with. Still going towards the side that he isn't supposed to be accepting. Yeah. I, yeah, we're on the same page there. I agree. Like, I'm, I don't really even have a problem with the Ewoks being in the movie, but I think I'm with you guys too much and, like, too much responsibility. Like, there's, there's borderline Phantom Menace tones where, like, they want to create a character like Jar Jar. I'm really uh, upset that I'm bringing up Jar Jar again. Mm-hmm. But You see the Gungans um, at the end of this movie just, like, turning up after the Empire loses. Yeah, get them out of here. Anyway, <laughs> um, like, Jar Jar is supposed to be, like, this kind of comical character of people to look at and laugh at and family friendly blah 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 but he's also given a lot of responsibility that doesn't add up that's the same thing with the ewoks mm-hmm. like they're 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 fun they're cute they're family friendly everybody looks at them and goes oh look how f- funny look how cute but then take it down an army at least, at, at least they're bloodthirsty warriors the gungans are just useless like they win on accident <laughs> you know who i think this movie does a disservice to and this could be a hot take i'm not trying to make it sound like a hot take but han really doesn't have anything to do here well, he's incapacitated for the first half of this movie. That's part of it. But then, like, when they get mm-hmm. to Endor, he's just kind of... He's he's got no drama of his own here because he clearly is in love with Leia. They can't make the love triangle work anymore because it's incest. So that's not happening. <laughs> um, but his only role besides being the general and being one of the leaders of the fight is, you know, like, kind of getting mad at Leia, being a little rude to Leia because she's not revealing all of her secrets to him. Like, that's the only thing that stuck stuck out to me that he does substantially. And I know they wanted him to die in this movie originally. Maybe he should have. Like, maybe that sacrifice would have given him some kind of arc that he had finally dedicated himself to the cause, similar to Finn a mm. la Last Jedi. You know what I mean? Parallels. Yeah. But Yeah, it, and it's that weird push-pull between the serious and the comical. And you can have, like, the Marvel movies do a great job of this, where they balance like fun quips and humor into serious action moments and they make it work. I feel like there's a very fine line between comedic moments and like friendly banter that we got in empire versus just pure on cheese that we get here. And they definitely stray way too far in it, way too much with C-3PO, the Ewoks, um, and then just our characters getting lucky consistently. It's just like, it's not fun to watch. Yeah. It isn't nearly as engaging as the stuff we've gotten in the other two movies. Yeah, and and you're right. A majority of the first half is on Tatooine, and a majority of the second half is Death Star Endor. There's not a whole lot of movement, and like we get Yoda for about a minute, and then there's just mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. He die. Yeah. He dies at the worst possible time. Like he couldn't squeeze one more sentence out. Got to make Ben do the dirty work. <laughs> By the way, that 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 scene uh. where where Obi Wan comes to talk to him and tell him about Leia is really cheesy. Can anybody guess why? Like, did he add it like, in? No, it wasn't added in. But like, why is a force ghost sitting down? <laughs> like, <laughs> really weird. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I also, I also get a little tight that they added Anakin in at the end. Yeah. Like Hayden Christensen. Yeah, I, I always forget they do that, and then it catches me by surprise when it happens. Kind of weird nitpick kind of thing. Not even really a criticism. But do we ever find out why Yoda couldn't come back as a ghost, like, right away? 
No, I don't think and so. Finish his sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, Wait, hold on, let me uh, just die real quick, and then uh, I'll come back and finish my sentence. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's equivalent of like, uh, I got a bad signal. Let me hang up and call you back in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it like takes a minute. Your soul has to transfer over or something. I don't know. I don't know. Kind of funny though. <laughs> he's he's stuck in like the TSA of Force Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a backup of um, all the younglings that have to get through. <laughs> I do want to change my tone a little bit here as we continue the discussion because yeah, we've been negative for a little while. Exactly, and I and I do I do like this movie. I think it's a I think it's a good movie. Um, and I think the stuff that works really works. It's one of those cases where the stuff I don't care for, there there's like a decent amount of it, but the good stuff is really really good and. That mainly boils down to everything with Luke and Vader. Vader gets a lot more depth and dimension in this one um, because we know he's not just a faceless figure of evil anymore. We know he has a very personal connection to our heroes, so you have to flesh the character out. And I think the dialogue sequences between Luke and Vader are really good, especially the one on Endor before they go up to go see the Emperor. Um, The whole discussion where Luke is basically saying, well – if you try to corrupt me to the dark side, then maybe my father truly is dead. Like that whole sequence is really strong. And mm-hmm. and I agree. I think Vader – the Vader-Luke stuff is my favorite um, stuff as well because they – it really builds on how they left off in Empire. I am your father. No, that's impossible. Well, he's come to terms with it. Now he, he realizes the only – the thing I have to do more than anything is – I also like this. They say confront him. They don't say strike down. They don't say defeat. Confront him as in like don't run away from your problems. Figure this out. Yeah, that'll be the the completion of your training. I like that a lot. And that's a good point, especially coming off of, you know, film two, Empire Strikes Back, which is all about running away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Th- yeah. Good thematic bridge. Yeah, yeah, that's a good parallel. I remember the first or second time that I watched this movie, I was always like antsy to get back to anything going on on the bridge of the death star with luke there i because they they cut away from it i think twice at pretty climatic moments uh especially like that shot with the empire or with the the emperor and the lightsabers crossed before him and him just smiling like a jack <laughs> <laughs> like a jack uh, right like, he, can't, he can't say he can't bring himself to curse <laughs> uh yeah, so like there's there's a couple like cliffhanger moments like that where I'm just like, oh, get back to the good stuff because uh, I, I do really find that stuff compelling and it's personal. It's a it's a personal conflict for not only Vader, not only for Luke, but for the audience watching. It's just like, how does this play out? How's this going to go down? Can Luke triumph over the two massively different evils that he's facing right now? All really compelling stuff. Yeah. Mad props to Ian McDermott and everybody behind the creation and the development of the Emperor because I think he pays off in spades. Yeah. He's such a master of manipulation. First of all, they build him up really well at the beginning, the very opening scene where they're like, how's the Death Star stuff coming? And Darth Vader's like, we're very displeased. The Emperor is coming. And the guy goes, "Uh, we'll we'll double our efforts then. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. clearly very scared of the idea of the Emperor. And you understand why. Even Vader goes – um um that would be in your best interest, something like that. And he goes, the emperor is not as forgiving as I am. I'm like, this is a guy who has choked people out for questioning him. And the emperor is not as forgiving. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. It's a, it's the exact same kind of payoff buildup that they do with Boba Fett, uh, minus his untimely death here. But, uh, they, you respect Vader. And then when Vader interacts with Boba Fett and treats this guy with like those inklings of respect, you're like, Oh wow, this, 
bounty hunter is a big deal. You get so much more of that with the Emperor because Vader's bowing down to him, my master, and all this other little buildup that it's it's kind of like the John Wick before John Wick was the thing, mm. where just talking about him with like these little whispered tones, it makes the Emperor just feel so overwhelming and unconquerable once you finally get there. I wonder if the Emperor ever killed anybody with a pencil. Probably not. Nobody's nobody's as good as John Wick. Big if true. Uh, better than that, he killed people with his fingers. <laughs> that's that. Well, that's the thing. Like, you spend most of the movie being like, okay, obviously he's in charge and he's very domineering and manipulating. But why are people? Why has nobody tried to overthrow him? And he's like, oh, because he's the most powerful person on this ship right now. It's not even that close. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's not even close. Just the the Force lightning is what an idea. Like, what yeah. an idea of evil. Mm-hmm. Was that – that's the only time we see it in the in this trilogy, right? When he's yes. hitting Luke with it? Yeah. Or was there another time? He's the okay. only person that can do mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah that, that's a pretty awesome scene. And a pivotal not – not only does it follow Luke overthrowing Vader and Luke telling the Emperor like, too bad, I'm not turning. You introduce Force Lightning and then the big climactic dun-da-dun, Vader tosses him over in the now – over, now overdone, but at the time awesome falling to his death. Okay, I think we've kind of exhausted the topic of Return of the Jedi because it's tough to talk about this one as much as we talk about A New Hope and Empire because there's less to gush about. There's definitely more good and bad here, but I'm interested to see where you guys rank this because my ranking is going to sound different than my review, but it also goes back to what I said where I think the good stuff really, you know, the good stuff really works in my opinion. So with that in mind, Nate, what would you rate Return of the Jedi? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely one where if we did half ratings, I'm probably smack in the middle between two things, but I'm going to go on the liter- the lower end of a wooden seat here. Um, there's maybe like a little seat cushion on it, but this one just, it doesn't hold up for me and it kind of alternates between, uh, what is it? Revenge of the Sith, um, from the prequels in terms of, do I like this one more or less? It's hard to say sometimes, and it kind of depends on my mood. <laughs> but they are right in that same range. Yeah, they, the two of them. I and agree. My review there was kind of similar. The stuff that works works, and the stuff that doesn't definitely doesn't. And it's very much this weird bipolar movie that I can still enjoy and sit down. But if you give me the option of a Star Wars movie, I, there's better ones than this. Yeah, um, I'm very, very similar. I It kind of falls in a similar range to Revenge of the Sith for me as well. Um, and I'm with you guys. It definitely, like, I feel like my really only, the minimal flaws I have with A New Hope are that, like, a lot of it's just, it's a little old, it's a little dated sometimes. Um, Return of the Jedi does have a little bit more issues than that. And um, I don't know. It's just, they're certainly not perfect. There's definitely better Star Wars movies. And like Andrew said, the stuff that works does work. And like Nate said, the stuff that does really doesn't. So I'm kind of with you with the half rating, but I'm feeling kind. And because it's Star Wars, it was still influential for 1983. I'm going to lean into a very low plush recliner. Um, and because at the end of the day, even when the Star, like the at least this original trilogy, I've really enjoyed revisiting them. They're so watchable. Like um, I rewatched Return of the Jedi a few nights ago and I was falling asleep a little bit in the second half. So I played the last... I don't know, hour 10, right before we came on and started recording. And it's just watchable. It's just easy to throw on. And even the stuff that doesn't work, 
is still overall an enjoyable experience. So I'm going to lean into plush recliner. Solid movie. Yeah. There are definitely tiers of Star Wars movies in my mind. There's the first tier, which has the original Empire and Last Jedi for me. And then the second tier, I would put Return of the Jedi in that second tier, probably towards the middle, the bottom of the second tier. Like I, like Jake said, it is an entertaining, watchable movie. It's not a complete travesty or like it's a pretty decent, if not spectacular, wrap up for the franchise. Um, they're just more wrong here than there was in the other ones. And it just stands out. That's how it is. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to basically mimic what Jake said and give it a lower end plus recliner. I do think that it still holds up in most regards, but the bad stuff is there and it's present. It's, it's not a perfect movie basically, but what movie is empire? (laughs) Right. A handful, but not this one. (laughs) Yeah. Two of the movies that came before it, in my opinion, um, that will do it for our Return of the Jedi talk and for our discussion of the original Star Wars trilogy. We're going to be talking about Force Awakens next, um, so be sure to look out for that. If you haven't listened to our previous podcasts about the prequel trilogy and about A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, you can find those anywhere you listen to us on the internet. That'll do it for our Return of the Jedi review. For Nate Lungarini and Jake Hensler, I'm Andrew Ogier. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon. 